All right, welcome again, everybody, to New Anthem Church. If you're a guest with us again, so glad you decided to join us. We're continuing on in this adventure we started last week called Creature of Habit. Whether you are able to articulate it or not, or realize it or not, you are a creature of habit. Your brain, in an effort to save strength and vitality, it compresses all the information so it doesn't get bombarded and get overwhelmed and is unable to process and decode all the information that you receive on a day-to-day basis. So in an effort to save calories and save energy, it bundles all those processes together in a nice little package and then ships it off to your body wherever you need to complete a certain uh, procedure and those little packages are called habits. Some of your habits are good, but some of your habits are bad. And like I said last week, because habits are the mechanism for you to complete your mission, there's no such thing as an inconsequential habit. All your habits are either helping you or hurting you. They're either sanctifying you or sabotaging you. To put that in perspective, I introduced you to an idea called compound interest. Uh, The example I used was that a penny a day doubled every day for 30 days would end up in over $5 million. It's a lot found another example that might help you around this idea of compound interest. If you can think of your habits like a piece of paper, and not just any piece of paper, but think of your habits as like a a sheet of paper in your Bible. Your Bible is printed on very thin paper. It's uh, actually one thousandth of a centimeter thick. So imagine you had a really big sheet of really thin paper, kind of like kind of like this one. That's helpful that I brought that. Uh, So think that your habits are a sheet of paper, and every time you complete a habit, the paper gets folded in half. So you wake up, you make the bed, uh, habit, we get a fold in half, okay? You take a shower, you fold your paper in half. Again, generally it would look a little nicer than this in your folds, Uh, but whatever. Uh, So habits, every time you complete a habit, a fold. Some of you, you brush your teeth in the morning, so habit, uh, but you're into witchcraft, so you rinse the toothbrush after you put the toothpaste on. That doesn't make any sense. Why do you do that? I don't know, but it's a habit, so you do it, and so then you get another fold. Others of you, you, you like the devil, and so you floss after you brush. What? That's absurd. Why would you do that? You have to floss and then brush the stuff that you flossed out, right? I, I, listen, I checked with a dental hygienist on this this week. He said the reason that you get flossed after they brush you in the dentist office is because the procedure is entirely different. They're trying to get all kinds of junk. But at home, you should floss and then brush Honest to God, true story. That's what he says. So that's what you need to be doing. But if you enjoy doing stuff wrong, that's up to you. Do whatever you want. Uh, So, but my point is every time you have a habit, you get a fold. Paper gets folded. Now, did you know if I could fold this paper 17 times in half on itself, it would end up being four feet thick from one thousandth of a centimeter 
to roughly 131 centimeters in 17 folds. In 25 folds, if I could fold this in half 25 times, we would be 1,100 feet thick. That's roughly a quarter mile, size of the Empire State Building in 17 folds. 45 times we'd be from the earth to the moon if I could fold this paper in half 45 times. Therefore, on the 46th fold, we'd be back from the moon to the earth. That escalated quickly. That's the power of compound interest, which means it's also the power of your habits can be, that's why the power of your habits can be magnified over time. You might feel like something is inconsequential, but the reality is when it comes to your habits, it's not. It's why I say none of your habits are meaningless. Given enough time, your habits will all result in something. It's going to either benefit you or harm you. Uh, that's why I say it's important for you to understand where your habits are taking you. And so I want to talk about this morning, creating some beneficial habits. I titled my message this morning, Strategery. I don't know if you all, I don't know if you all watch Saturday Night Live. Uh, I really, I really don't watch it anymore. But back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it used to be funny. And uh, Will Ferrell was uh, a, a character, George Bush. He was candidating to run for president. He was actually Governor George Bush at the time. He was asked to sum up the best argument for his candidacy in one word, and he said, strategery. Right? That met all my strict requirements for a sermon title. I enjoyed it. So here we are. Uh, but I'll explain strategery like this. Because habits are so powerful, and because the idea of compound interest is so accurate, you've got to have some strategery for your habits. You need to know where they're taking you. You need to know where your habits are leading you. You need to have a strategy for how they're going to impact your future. Most people are so consumed with the here and now, they never give a second thought as to where their present reality is taking them. And the truth of the matter is, uh, your future is just a bunch of what you do right now all strung together. It's why I want you to be careful with your choices. Because your choices turn into habits, and your habits are going to lead you to your destiny. So, do me a favor just for a moment. Imagine with me right now that uh, you're five years into the future. Okay, so picture yourself sitting in the kitchen, and uh, it's your birthday, so your friends bring you the uh, ice cream cake from Baskin-Robbins, because it's got the chocolate with little fudge things, in, and it's amazing. Uh, so they, br- they bring you that uh, on your birthday. Now imagine that we add five more torches to the candles that are already on your cake. Some of you, that's going to melt the cake. You're so old. I don't know how you're still with us, but... Uh, I know that I'm 35 right now, so in five years, I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be at the apex of my life. It's going to be the pinnacle of my existence at 40. It's all downhill after this. One one foot in the grave, you know, the other on a banana peel, 40. So uh, imagine, though, all the things you could do leading up to that ice cream cake party. Imagine the things you could accomplish from, from today Uh, to you five years from now. I made a list of some of the things I thought you could do. Uh, In five years, you could learn a new language, uh, right? No se habla espanol? 
right? Uh, está bien, right? En uh, cinco años se puede aprender. Did I say that right? Does anybody speak Spanish? Is that right? Okay, good. Uh, in five years, you can learn a new language. So there you go. Uh, in five years, you could get a degree. Uh, night classes, whatever you could, you could, uh, you could earn your college degree, maybe a master's, whatever, a PhD. All in five years, you could do it. Uh, in five years, you could run a marathon. If you started training, you could you could easily run a marathon in five years. You could probably run an Ironman. You know, if you really committed yourself right now, there you go. Have, have at it. Good luck. Uh, again, I'm going to be 40, so it's not going to happen. But. Uh, if for, for the kids that are listening, if you saved a dollar a day for five years, you would have $1,825. That's incredible for a kid. You know, that's like five Xboxes or whatever that is. I mean, that's a lot of money. If you read six minutes a day and you only read at the fourth grade level, you could read 60 books in five years. That'd be, you'd, you'd increase your knowledge, I would contend, and if you read good books, like big chapter books, like autobiographies and subbiographies, stuff like that, nonfiction, 60, 60 books. Uh, two chapters of the Bible every day, you would read through the Bible three times in five years. Uh, I think five years, you could radically transform your soul. Jesus was on this earth for only three years, and people are still talking about him. You said, well, he's God, pastor. Well, that's fine. But uh, John 14, 12 said that he would, you would do greater things than he did. So in five years, you could maybe do something fantastic, like transform your soul. Uh, this year, 2018, number one goal for people, according to the internet, was quit smoking. Now, you could do that in way less than five years, which hear me, because I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, oh, great. Another pastor hates the smoking, you know, quit the smoking. No, listen, people ask me all the time, pastor, can I still be a Christian and keep smoking? And I don't understand the question. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, and they're like, no, can, will I still get to heaven if I smoke? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you'll get there way faster uh, if, you, if you smile. It's like, like dude, yeah, I mean, I, it's not my call, but... Uh, so the, but the reason I bring up the whole, the whole five-year thing is because a medical journal published their results on a, on a five-year study uh, about smoking, and they actually found in two days your body recognizes that you've quit, and, and it's got some amazing benefits in those little two days. But after five years, your, your body has almost had healed itself completely from the smoking. They wrote that after five years, your arteries and blood vessels that were once shrunk because of the smoke begin to widen again. And the widening means the blood is less likely to clot, lowering the risk of heart attack and stroke. So that's pretty good news. Uh, my point is, after five years, it's long enough to do something very significant. A mentor of mine once told me that you highly overestimate what you can do in one year, and you drastically underestimate what you can do in five years. What does five-year you look like? Because the bad news is, if you do nothing, if you only live reactively, five years is also enough to do something undermining. I told you last week how the average Netflix account, it logs two hours a day every day. That's roughly 3,650 hours in five years. That's the equivalent of 152 days gone because you were watching Netflix for two hours. You want 152 days back in your schedule? 
the average social media account logs 135 minutes per day. That's 246,375 minutes in five years. Also, half a year, Gandhi out the door. Uh, Maybe you're not habitually addicted to technology. Maybe you habitually and emotionally eat. Average American eats 3,600 calories per day. Uh, The the, uh, number of calories for one pound of fat is 3,500 calories. So one pound of fat equals 3,500 calories, uh, which means in five years you could add 1,877 pounds of fat to your body with no physical exercise. That's a lot. Uh, That's your car. So good luck driving that around if that's what you do. Uh, So uh, here's all I'm saying though. In five years, good habits make average people look great. Bad habits make good people look grievous. Uh, Five years is long enough to do something incredible. It's also long enough to do something very drastic. In five years, you could look awesome or in five years, you could look appalling. It's your choice. You get to decide how you're going to impact your life five years from now. Jot this down if you're taking notes. Time doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. Time in life does not change who you are. It simply reveals who you are. Your future isn't so mysterious. It's just current you exaggerated. It's just current you, you know, a little bit older, or you some more mileage, maybe some, you know, leathery skin. I don't know what, I mean, it's just you add five years to it. If you do nothing, it's just current you, which the good news is if you don't like what you're getting, just quit what you're doing. Like you can sow some new seeds and get something entirely different. You get to decide who do I want to be? What does my future really need to look like? And I'm going to show you something in Scripture that I hope will help you. I put it in your notes, or you can follow along on screen. It's Romans 13, 11. Check it out. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. Have you been there? absorbed, exhausted, just day after day trying to take care of it all. Paul says, don't, don't do that at the expense of knowing who God is. Don't be so busy that you're oblivious to God and what He's trying to accomplish in your life. He goes on, the night is about over, dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. I wish I had time to talk about how salvation actually works in three parts. And uh, First, because Jesus died for our sins. We're justified the moment we believe God. When He looks at us, He sees us as justified. There's no more penalty for our sin. And then we have to do this process of sanctification, which is what the finishing p- touches Paul is talking about here. And then that's how we're becoming like Jesus. Stage three is glorification. I wish I had time to talk about the JSAG, the justification, sanctification, and glorification, but it's Mother's Day. Ain't nobody got time for that. We got lunch to eat. So Paul continues, we can't afford to waste a minute 
We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute, you procrastinators. He knows you. I know you. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. I'll summarize that entire text this way. Going through the motions is only bad if you're going through the wrong motions. You know, you can go through some motions. If they're good motions and good habits, then it's entirely a good thing. It's going to take you to where you want to go. We can't waste a minute, though, he says. Our motions, our habits, they need to be intentional. Because science has proved that over 40% of your day is habits. Over 40% of the day, you're not actually thinking intelligently about what you're trying to accomplish. You're just going through a rote motion. And uh, the reason I bring that up and the reason it's a big deal is because the Bible has told us that we're supposed to be leading a life of worship. And so if nearly 50% of your day is tied up into habits, we need to be pretty strategic about where those habits are taking us. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Well, I can start over if that would help. Uh, no. So be in, in, intentional about your habits because it's taking up a large part of your day and there's no such thing as inconsequential habits. All right. So time is not going to change that. It doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. So you need to know how you're spending your time. It's why I asked you last week to create a list of your habits. I wanted you to diagnose what are my good habits what are my bad habits? And what are my missing habits? Next week, I'm going to tell you exactly how you can reverse engineer your bad habits. If you've got some stuff in your life you want to get rid of, I'm going to tell you exactly how you can do that. This morning, with the time remaining that we have, I want to talk to you about your missing habits. I want to show you how you can create those into something good and galvanizing that will lead you to the, to the destination that you want to go. You should hopefully realize you don't consistently perform accidentally. And so you're going to need to build some things into your life so you can consistently perform and go the direction that God wants you to go. Now, before we can learn how to create a habit, let's remind ourselves of what a habit is. A habit is simply a process that requires no thought. Uh, It's an automatic reaction to specific situations. Scientists have broken this down into what they call a habit loop. There's a cue or a trigger. Something happens. In response to this cue, there then is a routine. So you go from cue to routine. After the routine, there's a reward. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And so every time you get this reward and every time the cue is the same, you're going to automatically go into this natural response, which is your routine because you like the reward. So you want to keep getting it. So for example, your phone. Scientists have shown that when you look at your phone, your brain releases a chemical that makes you feel satisfaction. So when your phone chimes, new message, and you pick it up and you have to look at it, no matter where you're at, uh, driving in a meeting, it doesn't matter. Uh, your routine is to grab the phone, look at it, and then the reward is like, oh yeah, that feels good. <laughs> phone. Good job, phone. You complete me. That's pretty well. 
Same thing is true for your other habits, like biting your nails. You feel that twinge at the tip of your finger, then all of a sudden it's like you, you start you know, tugging at it with your thumb until you kind of release it, and then you're like, oh, i got to bite that mug, and so you eventually you start biting it because that's your routine. Uh, the cue is a twinge, and you start tugging, and then the routine is you bite your nails. You've got to you know, free up the tip of your finger. It's a, you know, Go experience the brave new world finger, right? You're freed up to enjoy life. This is, uh, you were protected. Here's your reward. Go, you know, live free. Just don't touch anything spicy. You know what I'm saying? I can burn because don't do that. Uh, but live, live finger. Uh, just in case you're tempted to bite your fingernails right now, you need to know I read a story this week where a guy bit his fingernails and he got sepsis. Okay. Nearly died. So there's that. Uh, good luck. Uh, but all that's happening is anytime a habit goes off, there's a cue, something you recognize, and there's a routine, so the process that you go through, and in turn, there's a reward, which allows the loop to continue. Cue, routine, reward. So in order for us to create a new habit, we've diagnosed something that we want to change. It's a missing habit. So in order for us to create a new habit, we're going to need a cue. I'm going to call this a reminder. We're going to need a reminder to develop this as a habit. Then we're going to need our routine, which is a response to the reminder. Okay, so we get a reminder. Now we're going to need a response. This is, this is the habit that I want to create. I'm going to start doing this. And then we still need the reward in order to make the habit stick. So we're going to need a reminder. We're going to need a response. And we're going to need a reward. This is our new habit loop. This is how you're going to create a missing habit into a new habit, something that we want to do, something we want to become, someone we want to be five years from now. How do we get there? Well, we need a reminder. We need a response. We need a reward. Now, I'm a pastor, which means part of my job is to help you create some spiritual habits. The Bible says I'm supposed to help you follow Jesus more closely and, and, and go after him. And so uh, last week I showed you a habit that Jesus had in his life. It was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And since you all are here... Uh, I must be a phenomenal habit teacher, you know what I'm saying? It worked. Uh, So here's another habit that you need to develop in your life, a spiritual habit. Mark 135 reads, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So reminder, very early in the morning, response Jesus went to a solitary place to pray, reward, intimacy with God, clarity, direction, peace, all of those things. I'll show you another one. Uh, Matthew fourteen twenty three. After he, Jesus, had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Reminder, I'm by myself. Response, I must need to go pray. Reward, closeness to God, conversation, instruction, all of that. In other words, might I submit to you that prayer is the single most important habit you need to cultivate into your life today. Prayer was not meant to be something boring or rote or a spiritual box to check off on your to-do list. It's meant to be a powerful habit because the difference in, in between prayer is what you can do versus what God can do. It's the difference between your best and God's best. 
prayer is about God showing up and showing off and doing something to bring you joy and Him glory. Prayer is when the God of the universe, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Author of life, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Holy Lord of the cosmos, opens up His throne of glory to allow you to come into His presence and present your requests to Him because, catch this, He loves you. Amen, somebody? Preaching 30% better than you're responding right now because this is really good news. (laughs) God wants to hear from you. That He cares about you. He wants to help you. So I'll explain it like this. When it comes to your habit life, the habits that matter the most are the ones that when they shift or when they dislodge, they remake all your other habits. For example, science has shown that families who habitually eat supper together raise children with higher homework skills, better grades, greater emotional control, more confidence. So the habit of coming together and eating supper together causes the other habits of completing homework, studying, getting good grades, all that, it causes those to get better. Research has demonstrated that people who exercise have more patience at work. They're less stressed. They're more productive. So exercise impacts a whole host of your other habits. This is what's known as keystone habits. They uh, are called keystone because they hold in place all the other habits. If you're a, a mason, you know the keystone is like the capstone that they put in an arch and it holds all the other stones in place. This is a keystone habit. It changes your other habits. The reason it's important for you to know about a keystone habit is because I would argue that prayer is the most important keystone habit. Just for the record... Uh, bonus time information, double jeopardy for you. The uh, 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 research has indicated prayer has been linked, uh, linked to some fantastic health benefits like reduced blood pressure, a stronger immune system. Like that's good news. Less stress because you pray. It's, why I'm, it's not why I'm asking you to do it. I think there's way more for you than just that. But I think we can all agree that being healthier uh, and having less stress would be cool nonetheless. Ultimately, the reason I think you need to make prayer a daily habit is because when our hearts are aligned with God, our actions will be too. So we need to pray to God to get our habits right. In other words, we need our, our actions to line up with how God would want our actions to play themselves out on a day-to-day basis. It's a keystone habit. Yeah, the problem with that is most people don't like to pray. And the reason many people pray is so they can fall asleep faster. You know what I'm saying? Like right before bed. The reason a lot of people pray is because uh, they know they're supposed to. Their pastor told them to. And so they're like, oh, i got to pray. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. But I think part of their dissatisfaction is because you don't have any strategy for your prayers. We need a strategy on how do we pray. Most people don't like to pray because they're doing it wrong. The vast majority of people uh, pray reactively. Something happens in life, oh, I must need to pray. Oh, I got that diagnosis, got to pray. Things have gone bad financially, got to pray. My spouse is cheating on me, got to pray. Got a test coming up, got to pray. Got all these things, new job, got to pray. 
Am I saying it's wrong to pray for any of those things? No, absolutely not. God is always listening. He always cares about what you're going through. But when you combine the fact with that almost everything in our culture rewards instant gratification, when you combine that with the fact that most people's prayers are reactive, you have a recipe for disappointment. Because if you're praying in response to something and God doesn't answer that prayer, you're like, well, what's the point of even praying? And what you need to know is God is a God of endurance. I've read through this book a couple of times. Rarely see instant gratification anywhere in here. Like think about the miracles that even Jesus performs. Water into wine. Mary asked. It was a whole process people had to go through in order to get the water into wine. Jugs and bringing up water. It would have taken hours. Uh, Healing the blind man. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. He still had to go to the pool and wash off. Wasn't instant. Uh, Go through a whole list of things. The, The walls of Jericho. You know, they had to march around that mug seven times. It wasn't instant. The soldiers weren't even told what they were supposed to do. They just like march, you know, occasionally sing a song uh, and do whatever. Eventually the walls are going to fall down. But uh, see, the Bible clearly teaches that our prayers need to be proactive, persistent, and purposeful. What is that in one word? A habit. Proactive. That's a reminder. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing this. You know, uh, persistent, that's a routine, that's a response, purposeful, that's the reward, because uh, we get to see results when our prayer is answered, and so that's, it's not, it's the opposite, total opposite of reactive, it's proactive, persistent, and purposeful, that's your prayer, it all starts with P, you should be able to remember it. I don't even know. I, I mean, the inner Baptist in me, I guess, it was alliteration. I don't even know how that happened. I just realized it now. So if we're going to develop prayer as a daily habit, then you need a reminder, like a practical one. So what can your reminder be? I don't know. For Jesus, it was early in the morning. But while it was still dark, that's when he got up to pray. Maybe for you, you can set an alarm. You set the alarm on the phone, set a second one 10 minutes later, and you use the first one to wake up, you use the second one to start praying. Maybe you're not a morning person, fine, set a reminder at lunch. Set an alarm in order to pray. Set an alarm at night. doesn't matter when you do it, you're just supposed to be doing it consistently every day. And so for an order for you to do that consistently every day, you're going to need something that's with you all the time. You mean like my phone? Great idea. Hey Siri, remind me to pray tomorrow at 6 a.m. Hey Alexa, remind me to pray tomorrow at noon. That's your reminder. Now along with the reminder, you still need a routine. Might I suggest start small. No, you didn't wake up one day and start smoking the pack of cigarettes. You didn't wake up one day and start running a marathon. You didn't wake up one day and start picking your toenails. Gross, right? (laughs) It's a habit, whatever. Uh, Why do you think habitual prayer is any different? It's not. So start small. Try five minutes. Again, set a timer. What do I say, Pastor? Whatever comes to mind. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything amazing in a different language and all kinds of stuff where you're like, uh, thou art the holy throne and here I am. And you know, it doesn't have to be that. 
Now, we, because I feel like my job is to help equip you, have developed a number of different guides of things that only take five minutes in order to prayer. If you need one of those, great. Get in touch with me. Be happy. I can email it to you. You can get one on your way out. A lot of Bibles have prayer uh, you know, things in the back that you can pray. So it doesn't have to be anything magical. The primary purpose of your prayer is for you to engage in conversation with God. Amen. You praise Him. You talk to Him. You ask Him stuff. But there's no silver bullet. There's no magic potion. Uh, there's some list of things that can help you, but at the end of the day, it's up to you just to start engaging in conversation. That's your response to your reminder. You pray. Now, you also are going to need a reward. You mean something different than God answering your prayer? Something different than healing and freedom and peace that surpasses all understanding? Something different than blessing and joy and a stronger relationship with God? Because now you're not the only one just barraging Him with everything you need, but you're also listening and and trying to hear from Him. So something uh, different than that? Yeah. Okay. Chocolate. Okay, there you go. There's your reward. You pray eat yourself a chocolate after you pray, develop that as a habit. I don't know, but God's promised to hear you. You know, he's promised to be involved with you. What more do you want? At the end of the day, we're called to be like Jesus. Jesus developed a habit of prayer and a lifestyle of prayer early in the morning prayer. When he was by himself, he prayed. He always prayed. When you're at lunch, pray before supper pray. Whatever it is, you set a reminder, develop the routine of prayer, and I promise you there's a reward on the other side. Amen, somebody? Here we go. Now, what else do I want you to know about habits and your missing habits? Jot this down. We all have equal hours, but not all hours are created equal. We all have equal hours, 24 hours in a day, but not all of your hours are created equal. Looking back at our Romans passage, it says we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around dissipation and bickering, grabbing everything inside. Gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. Is it not a pretty accurate description of our world right now? This is what I'm driving at. The reason you have some of the bad habits you have is because not all hours of the day are created equal. And so when you're on that downslope and you got to grab that little Debbie zebra cake and that Mountain Dew in order to, you know, propel yourself in to the next coming hours, that's why. It's because you're not operating at your best and you need to understand that. Know when you're productive. Do what you're best at when you're at your best. You know, Jesus did what he was best at, prayer, when he was at his best, early in the morning. You need to develop a a, 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 a schedule that allows you to be at your best when you're at your best. Well, I can't do that, Pastor. My, my employer tells me exactly what to do. Well, I would argue that there are some times in the day where you can develop your own schedule, no matter what you're doing, to be when you're at your best. Furthermore, there's some things you can do on your way home when your real job is about to start parenting, being a good spouse. Come on, somebody. Like, there's some stuff you can do to encourage yourself on that drive home to be your best when maybe you're not at your best despite what happened at work. Now, I'm going to talk about that next week because a lot of that has to do with bad habits, how you need to develop some guardrails. And uh, and what I think Jesus teaches us here is that not all hours are created equal. And so you've got to learn when you're at your best and do what you're best 
at, if you want to develop some new habits, there's a much better chance that your habit will stick if you're doing it when you're at your best, okay? This will help you. Write this down. Ongoing consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. Ongoing consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. Going and praying for the next you know, five days, three hours every single day will do nothing if it causes you to quit. Five minutes every day over the next 40 years will yield much different results, right? Think about something. If the fingers on my hand represent five habits that you have in your life. And these are habits that you're not even good at, okay? On a scale of one to a hundred, you're only a three. Well, three times three times three times three times three is 243. Now, imagine if you got one step better in any one of these five habits. Just one step. The step from three to four on the scale to hundred is not very hard. You could do this. Okay, well, four times four times four times four times four is a thousand and twenty four. You just got four hundred percent better by changing one small thing in the course of your life. That's big results. Would we agree? Four hundred percent better. What's one thing that you can change that will yield four hundred percent better? What's one thing if you changed it, you could get one step better and it would make the biggest difference. Once you know that, realize consistency, not intensity, is what will make the biggest difference. It's compound interest, all right? So here's what I need you to do. This week, you're going to make two lists. List number one is things you do each day without fail. This is in your notes if you uh, grab notes on your way in. Things that you do each day without fail. Shower, I certainly hope so. Get dressed, please God. Uh, Brush teeth, yes. uh, You know, flush toilet, eat lunch, go to bed, whatever it is. That's list one. Things you do without fail. List two, things that happen to you each day without fail. Get a text, get an email, stop at a red light, stop at a stop sign, sunrise, sunset, Whatever it is, those are your two lists. Now, those two lists give you a wide range of things that already happen each day that can serve as a reminder to trigger your response for your new habit. You following me? Two of you are following me. Okay. Watch the video if that helps you. But if you're missing a habit of gratitude, then you can say, when I'm stopped at a stoplight, then I will say one thing I'm thankful for. The reward, less cranky, less road rage, more peaceful for everybody out on the road, and you're not you know, driving people off the road. That's a win. Uh, but whatever it is for you, you have a list that can go along with the missing habit list, which you've already created, and hopefully it can spur you on to develop these new habits. Now, as we close, listen to me very, very carefully. The message of the gospel, it is very simple. Very simple. You do things every single day that prohibit you from getting closer to God. The Bible calls that sin. So you sin every single day. And God can't 
be in the presence of sin because he blows it up. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came in and he made a way for your sins to be forgiven. All of your sin, past, present, future sin. He bridges the gap between the wrong you do and the holiness of God. And he stands in between and you're made right the moment that you trust in Jesus as your savior. Simple message. What's not simple is our daily journey after that. As Roman talks about, the finishing touches God is trying to put on our salvation. That is not easy, but be encouraged. God is up to something in your life. He's never promised you a pain-free life. He's promised you a fulfilled life, which is why ongoing consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. Intensity will not yield the results that you need in order to finish out this work of salvation. Time does not change who you are. It reveals who you are. Be intentional with how you're using your time. Develop a strategy. Create good habits. Do things that matter. That's what's going to yield the best results to your life. Stop being so narrow-focused and only seeing right here, right now. Imagine your life five, ten years from now. Are the habits you're cultivating taking you to the destination you want to go? You hearing what I'm saying? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to come and gather in this place to hear from your word. I pray that it was helpful and encouraging to each person here today. I just ask you to continue moving in our life, continue uh, developing our habits, uh, help change us to be the people you want us to be. God, I just pray as we all continue to pray, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't developed this habit of following you, who hasn't trusted in Jesus as their Savior, it's a very simple message. God wants to change your life. If that's you, This morning, I want to invite you to take that first step of faith, to say in your heart, God, I'm sorry. I know I've sinned, but I believe in Jesus. I trust in Him as my Savior. Help me live a life for Him. Thank you for saving me. Help me live for you. God, I thank you for every person here this morning. I ask that you continue to encourage them, speak to them, help them create habits that will lead them to a life of worship. We're so thankful for who you are, and we're so thankful for the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.